hi, hello, welcome back to another episode of the Inspiring Adult Podcast. Today is an exciting episode because I have my boss slash friend slash mentor on. Um, so with me is River and River and I have been having a few conversations um, at work, outside of work about the topic that we're going to talk about today. And I was debating because on my episodes, I normally introduce my guests, but I don't I don't know if I want to introduce you or if I should just let you introduce yourself. <laughs> Whatever is best. This is your show. Um, well, when I introduced my brother, who I've known my entire life, I said his accomplishments from high school, that he was a wrestler. Nice. <laughs> so I'm not really the best at introductions, but I'll give it a go and then I'll let you correct it. Yeah, go so, for it. Okay, so River, what did you major in in college? Uh, CFM, Christian Formation and Ministry. That's Christian Formation. Just a fancy way of saying I went to pastor school. Nice. Okay. So River majored in CFM. Yep. CFM at Wheaton and played college football there and weighed 275 pounds. No, not even close. 300? No. no. <laughs> it was like... 257. Okay, weighed 257 pounds. And how much could you deadlift? 700 at my best. Terrifying. Yeah. Anyways, so River's a really petite man. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, so River and I've had really great conversations, which again is why I brought him on, but I'll let River introduce himself and why he's here. Yeah, so one, I just love... <laughs> Uh, sharing the what I think to be the truth with people, and you know, I think this is a good way to do that. And Sarah and I were just having interesting conversations, just about life and family and morals and faith, but also like how to be a decent person as well. And then just expectations versus realities, managing tensions in life, all that jazz. And it's been really good just to, you know get to have someone who one listens like sarah does sarah's a good listener which makes it easy to have conversation but also someone who just asks questions and that's what i love too Um, just asking questions about people just with what they think what their thought process is and you know my way is not the only way to skin a cat so i like to know how people do things as well so yeah but also i i love people i like to see people um, find their purpose and succeed and so however I can help in that whether it be hey dude just sit back and shut up and let me do my thing that's fine or if there's any advice I can lend or support I can lend just want to help people get from A to B and if there's anything I can do to do that that's what I want to do yeah just a little bit about myself and I have a wife and a kid which is great marriage is great father is great so also to set the scene, River and I are the same age and we have two very different lives that are weirdly enough very similar in a lot of ways because River grew up very, I won't say very religious because you recently... But from like a societal perspective, it would be considered very religious. Yeah, I grew, okay. up, in a, I grew up in a conservative Christian home. And I did not. (laughs) But the purpose of this episode is to talk about that juxtaposition of my life of growing up in a very 
my dad calls it free range parenting home versus a Christian home that has more of an outline and basis that has been ancestrally brought down in some capacity of that just because it's the written word it's what your parents learned it's what their parents learned and it's been passed down to you and in a lot of ways that's similar to how my dad raised me in the sense that his parents instilled values in him and then he instilled values in my brothers and myself and now I'm putting that out into the world in a different capacity than what River is doing because he's raising a son who is the cutest baby ever. (laughs) And um, I'm doing it in sharing what my version of truth is and what my version of being a good human is to all of my listeners here. And then additionally, everyone that's on my social media platform. So River and I have been talking a lot about how to define morals and where morals really began and how you cement them. So now I'm going to take a look and see what our our first question is here. And it's for River to review what some of his morals are, and then we'll talk more about how those came to fruition. Yeah. Well, my morals, they're not too complicated and they're not original whatsoever my morals come from the bible and scripture but that also with that you have to have wisdom and discernment how you apply it to society so uh yeah it's it's a really complicated way of saying that i filter my life through scripture and if scripture approves it then great if it doesn't then don't do it uh but also like we've been talking about it's not just the list of do this don't do that it's yes i am saying no to certain things but i'm also choosing to say yes to other things and i don't think that a lot of people look at that the flip side of that coin and funny thing about my parents is they didn't grow up christian they weren't christians at all until they had my older sister brooke and that's really what started their faith journey is because they didn't want her to grow up like them um And so my parents, like Christian age, as long as they've been Christians, is really only 26 years, 27 years. Um, And I'm I'm 25. And so like our spiritual journeys are almost the same age. Mm -hmm. Um, They're separated by a couple years. But it's pretty cool because my parents came from that world and that perspective of just like it is what it is. And you know, shit happens and it doesn't matter, you know, what anybody else says, just do what makes you happy and everything. And so they, they have all those perspectives and we've had a lot of good conversations about that. And so I think just growing up, I was, I was really shown two options of life and you can choose to, you know, live life for yourself or you can choose to live life for something that they believe to be bigger. And it was something that I didn't, as you know, I didn't do right away, kind of through my parents and and God, the, the metaphorical middle finger. Then I just made my faith my own. And since then, I've been trying to faithfully obey and follow. And it's led me to here. It hasn't led me astray. And unfortunately, I've had to lose like relationships and friendships and, you know, even things now are awkward with some family members. But uh it was all worth it. You know? And so I'd say as far as morals go, 
it's I choose to live this way because I know that God says he, he has a plan for my life and that plan is good. It's not to hurt me or to harm me, but if I'm willing to trust him, I'm not only going to reap the rewards of that after this life, but also in this life. There's not going to be a day without difficulty, but it's just a different perspective. And mm-hmm. it's I know that even when things don't go right, even when things are hard and don't go the way that you want them to, that I know that ultimately God is in control of my life. And so mm-hmm. there's just a different piece and perspective that comes with that. And I don't think a lot of people, when, when we look at morality, I don't think a lot of people look at the flip side of the coin. You know, they're just looking like, oh, you just can't have fun. You, you know, you don't drink, you don't just, you know, have hookups with anyone you want, but you have to just be a fun sucker and a killjoy. And it's like, well, from the outside looking in, it does look like that. But also, like, I have a lot of fun. I, I enjoy life. And uh, I don't think people look at what you're saying yes to, even though you're saying you are saying no to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of how we got on this topic of discussion was that River and I were having a discussion on what I was looking for in a significant other in terms of like what I valued in somebody else. And it caused me to do a lot of introspection on myself and being really self-aware of, okay, what do I bring to the table? What am I looking for? And then started thinking of, okay, here's what my values are. Here's what I appreciate. Here's what I'm, I am as a human. And how do I find other people like that? Because for me, as a 25-year-old who's outside of the faith of Christianity that didn't grow up that way, that my friends aren't that way, and that I don't really go to a church, so I don't really surround myself with people that also have a lot of rivers mindset. And so trying to figure out how I find people with morals that are similar to mine. And that's really how River and I arrived at this discussion and how we it seems to centralize a lot around morals and faith and how a lot of it seems to be intertwined. And recently after talking to everyone hearing his, his story and how he got involved or not got involved or about his explanation of his morals and how he became the man that he is. Uh, I did some thinking on my own and my own diligence on, okay, if I've had conversations in the past before, like I know I've talked on a previous episode about the conversations that I've had with Brian and Sterling and even with Travis, I was talking with men that had a pretty strong Christian faith. And when I acknowledged that, I immediately told River and was surprised that that was the common thread between all of those different people in my life. And then really decided that maybe it would be a good idea for me to figure out what morals exist in the Bible and additionally try and figure out, okay, what am I really looking for? What am I searching for? And do more soul searching because for me, it was just an easy write-off when I was growing up that I wasn't religious because I didn't grow up religious because it didn't, it wasn't in my family's architecture. Even though we had a church in our backyard, we didn't go. So it was difficult for me to really decide to do or to start reading. Um, I guess it wasn't really that difficult because it's not that I'm accepting anything yet. It's that I'm learning more about what 
Christianity is, what the faith is, and what morals that exist there are, and learning more about myself and learning more about what other people value. And I was telling River this previously, that my hardest approach into religion was the people that are on the very far side of the spectrum that don't accept new ideas and that don't think about things open-mindedly. But now, um, growing up and being my own independent thinker, (laughs) I'm able to do, I, I want to learn more about it and want to be more into or more in tuned with the morals and ideals that exist in it because of the relationships that have come to fruition from it. So to backtrack a little bit, my morals were cemented prior to me reading anything that's in the Bible. And when I was talking to River and when was getting interested in learning more about it, was sharing about my spiritual journey, which I've talked about on the podcast before. And there was a lot of parallels of okay, manifesting is a lot like prayer and like meditating to a higher self is like praying to God and a lot of different versions of it and a lot of different versions of spirituality that play into Christianity that I was like, okay, this isn't too far-fetched for me. So my ideals were largely cemented from my father who his parents, I guess, were more religious than he was, but I did an episode with my dad about dadisms and all of the different dadisms that he said and all of the different phrases that he would tell me. And one of them was, show me your friends, I'll show you your future, Um, do what you can afford. The whole gamut of all of those phrases played into a large role of who I am, which I guess if I'm making parallels to River here, it would be like, what is written in text in the Bible, which again, not trying to compare my dad's word to the Bible, but like that was me having my morals and River having his morals of, okay, these are the words that I'm going to follow and these are the actions that I'm going to follow because of what is being spoken into me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, 100%. And really like a lot of what, if anyone really just reads scripture objectively, a lot of what you'll find is just how to be a decent person is one of them, but also is how to have a relationship with God because God created you to have a relationship with him. And so I think a lot of morals that people know, for instance, an obvious one is don't murder. Where does that come from? Well, that comes from the Ten Commandments. That was written way before a lot of other written codes on the planet. And so a lot of societal morals are based in scripture. And so it's not hard to draw parallels with anyone who's just a decent person and say, mm-hmm. I can show you exactly where that's at in scripture. We don't hate anybody. Like anyone who's truly a follower of Christ doesn't have true hatred in their heart towards anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, because honestly, the only thing that separates me from anybody else is nothing other than Jesus in my life. It's mm-hmm. the only thing that separates me from anyone else. And so. Just as a Christian, when you know that, the only reason why you are the way you are is because of Jesus. And without Jesus, you would, like, you're just as far off as anybody else. It really changes your perspective. And again, I think a lot of things with Christianity is just about retraining the way you think. Um, you know, for sure, you should always <laughs> don't murder anybody, don't try not to to lie like don't cheat that and I think that's stuff that 
as a society we can we can agree on okay like yeah those are good things that we shouldn't actually implement in our lives um and the bible even talks about money and good things to do with money and bad things that are done with money and so objectively you can look at scripture and be like okay this actually isn't it's not bad advice and one of the things that sarah and i were talking about is that you don't have to be a christian to see that oh it's just just be a decent person like we can have a lot of the same morals and worldviews and you know my label is that i'm a christian and sarah doesn't have that label but like we have a lot more common ground than what most people would think and uh and I think that just gets to the fact that a lot of morality is based in Scripture. But also, like I said earlier, it's it, it teaches you how do I have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And even you've acknowledged and admitted that you think that there is something bigger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just a, I know that there's a peace in everyone's heart, which is your soul, that longs to know what is my purpose? Why am I here? What was I made for? And... And I think that's a totally fair question. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's what so many people struggle with. And, and the hardest part for me about being a Christian is it's like having the cure for the most invasive disease, but you can't share it unless somebody wants to, uh, wants to know about it. Because I told Sarah that I want it to be real for everyone in the world. Like, it's real for me. But the only way for it to be real is there is some work you got to do yourself, like, I could tell Sarah all the all the things she might want to hear just to try to get her to where I want her to arrive. But if it doesn't happen naturally and if it doesn't happen in its own time, then it's not going to be real. And and I don't want it to not be real because then it's fake. And if, if it's one thing a Christian shouldn't be, it's fake. Because too many people are too fake about too many things. And so... Um, it's it's an interesting dichotomy because it's like I have the only truth that can set people free, but I can't share that truth nearly as much as I want to because, like like in my own life, it, you you got to figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I tell you all the time, if it's one thing you should know, you just need to know that God loves you like he does. He might not you know want you to do some of the things that you do just like he doesn't want me to do some of the things that I do we can get into that but mm-hmm. ultimately I don't think enough people even Christians pause and acknowledge that there is a God and, and he really loves them and yeah so I hope that answers your question <laughs> no it does no it, it definitely answers my question and I want to also just reiterate that this isn't necessarily the podcast episode today isn't necessarily about religion, faith, like trying to convince you to become a religious person by any means. It's moreover just sharing our experience, our story, and how River and I have resonated with one another. And so one of the things that River was just saying is that my life and his version of faith have a lot of similarities, similarities, Um, but I was at a Bible study with him and his wife, and his wife, Hannah, said something that was very, very insightful and kind of struck a chord in me, because I asked a question of, okay, I've heard a lot of people talk to Jesus, and now we're saying that Satan talks to us in a similar capacity. I'm kind of confused, and Hannah said something that was along the lines of, well, he's talking to you when you, whenever you do something or are tempted by something and you're ashamed to admit it to somebody else. And 
that was one of my dad's big things was to do what you can afford. And if you do something, know that there's going to be actions or repercussions based on your actions. And so having that similar thing of, okay, even though like I, if I'm not a believer of faith, then it's not Satan telling you that I have to go and tell my dad. Like, I don't want to tell my dad something <laughs> that I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'd be embarrassed. Like my dad knows pretty much everything about me nowadays, but there were things that I was ashamed to tell him that I did. There was things that I was embarrassed to tell him that I did. But at the end of the day, I knew that he was going to love me the same that he did before as he did, he did after I told him. But that's one of the similarities that most struck a chord in me was just that, I mean, to be a decent person and to have morals is a lot easier said than done. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> like River has said, just be a decent human so many times to me during my course at Vista. But the the problem with that is, and what I came to River with initially was, what is a decent human? And what does that look like? And where do we find that? And so that's largely what is stemming of this conversation is, okay, what does being a decent human look like? Because we can say it, we can say it a million times, oh, just be a decent human. Well, what does that look like? What does that actually look like? And at the end of the day, or the values that you have, like what does being a decent person to you look like? Like what does that archetype look like? Yeah, there's there's a lot of examples, but I think – you, you have to try to narrow it down the best you can. And so one of them is you're only as good as your word. And it's funny, on the car ride here, Sarah and I were talking about just marriage. And, like, seriously, I have so much more respect for people that go to a courthouse and say, hey, if this works out, if it's not difficult, if the glitter stays, then I'm in it. But as soon as it gets hard, I'm leaving. I have so much respect for that. But the thing is, you get people who they don't know what they're really getting into, you know, and in front of all their friends and family, and whether they believe in a God or not, if you're at a church and you're, there's a pastor there or a priest there, then you're somewhat acknowledging that you're saying it before God as well, and you're saying till death do us part, and then, you know, within a year or two years later, things do get tough, and, and life's hard, and marriage and parenthood is harder. And so I'm not trying to act like it's just all sunshine and rainbows because it's not. But, you know, you gave that person your word that you're going to hang out, that you're going to stick it through. And I think it's really frustrating when people just completely go back on a promise that they made. And and things aren't as black and white. And there's even room in the Bible for divorce, such as unfaithfulness. So in the Bible, if your husband or wife cheats on you, then those are legitimate grounds for divorce. Um, and also abuse is legitimate grounds for divorce. But I think it's not saying like, is divorce permissible? But, you know, I did make a promise. I promised you until you died that I was going to love you and be married to you. And that is a choice. And so I think, you know, your word has to mean a lot. And, um, you know, part of being a decent person is, you know, let your yes be your yes and let your no be your no. And also just integrity. People should always know what they have when they see you. You know, I'm not saying that you don't have character development or that you don't change a little bit through the years, but your core values, the core of who you are, it should be consistent. Um, I know my wife, she can look at me 
from 10 years from now, and she's going to know who she has because my core values and my core and who I am, my heart, those things aren't going to change. And I love that about myself is that I can tell people who I am. And I know even I want to learn, I want to grow, but the core of who I am, it's not going to change. Um, and to, another thing is have convictions and be firm on those convictions. Not a lot of people you know, are willing to draw lines in the sand. And I have a lot of hot takes on a lot of different topics. But again, you know what you're getting yourself into when you have me. And then also, you got to love big. Um, part of being a decent person is not keeping records wrong. And I'm not saying that you forgive and forget. You know, you're fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I think that saying has a lot of validity. You shouldn't just be a doormat and be taken advantage by people. But uh, if love is one thing, love is forgiving and, and love doesn't keep records of wrong. And so if we are to be decent people, it's a lot of just being the bigger person. And in some situations, it is being a doormat. It is overlooking you know, hurtful things that people might say, whether intentional or unintentional. You know, it is saying, okay, like this is the umpteenth time you've done this to me. Uh, maybe the most loving thing I can do is just cut you out of my life for a time. But it's always done out of that lens of I don't hate you. I don't want harm towards you. But I also, one, I need to guard my heart. And Sarah and I talked about that. You need to guard your heart. But also, when it comes to loving people, sometimes the most loving thing to do is space, is distance. And I don't think a lot of people think that something loving can also be something like tough love. Um, but I think if I had to sum it up, it would be those three things. Just have a, <laughs> let your word really mean something because you're only as good as your word. Uh, have an, an integrity and, and love big. Like people should know exactly who you are and also you should live your life in such a way, in my opinion, that nobody's defined by their worst mistakes. Because I make mistakes all the time, and other people in my spheres of life, they make mistakes. But I always try to remind people, like, you're not defined by your worst mistakes. Like, despite this, I'm still willing to work it out, have the conversations that need to be had, make a plan to learn and grow from it and move on. But a lot of people will let guilt and shame dictate their life and how they respond Whereas if you know that somebody loves you, and none of us had the bandwidth to love unconditionally, but if we love people with all of our hearts the best that we can in an appropriate way, then people will know that, no, I, I, I do have the freedom. And one thing that I told Sarah uh, working in my department is that you have the freedom to mess up. You have the freedom to make mistakes. And, you know, you're not going to let me down. Why? Because you're not holding me up. Like, what holds me up? It's it's God and, and it's building my life on him. So no human being could truly let me down because no human being is holding me up. And I think that's a lot about what makes someone a decent human being. And really, there's so much that dovetails and that falls under those three things. Just your word, your integrity and the way you love people that. I guarantee there's every situation in life I can show you how it points to those three things. So if, mm -hmm. if we can figure those three things out and way easier said than done, then then we're all right. Um, well, yeah, I mean, even for me, if we're talking about loving with your whole heart, that 
River and I, it was really tough being in the car with River before we <laughs> coming here because it's like a 20 minute ride from the ranch to his house. And so I'm just like trying to sit there and not like ruin the entire episode by saying everything already. Uh, but we did it anyways. Um, so one of the things that I struggled with was, like you said, having those boundaries and having those clear lines in the sand because that year of my life where I was consistently dating people and had a new boyfriend on rotation pretty much. There was no, like, I felt like I was giving all of my love away to people and I wasn't guarding my heart. And it was difficult for me during that time because I felt that I had no real clear values and that I didn't know what I was wanting. And so I was just doing whatever my heart felt like, which is a lot of a lot of people do that and that's where i'm coming from on my end of the spectrum of religious versus not religious at the time um and that difficulty of real of of thinking that okay nothing that i do really matters everything that you do really matters and so thinking back on that time when i was dating around yeah i don't think i would go back and change it necessarily because i learned a lot about myself but the way in which i did it i'm not the proudest of just because there were probably better ways that I could have learned about myself. But when River is saying protecting your heart and doing things out of love, not just out of lust, it is more than just a biblical sense of that because there's still a lot of things that I wouldn't have done regardless of whether I was religious or not. And there were things that I probably should have done that I didn't do. But at the end of the day, it didn't feel like it was that important. And it felt like my journey to follow my heart was more important. And hey, if that's what your life is telling you to do, then who am I to tell you otherwise? But again, this is me just telling you my take my story and how I learned and found my values because maybe it does take a year of just dating people to figure out what your values are and where they lie and what you don't want. Because at the end of the day, finding out what you don't want is almost more important than finding out what you do want because having a nice bucket list of things that you want is really easy. But at the end of the day, you might find someone that's perfect on paper and then you're like, Oh wow, this, this really stinks. I didn't realize this came along with that. And this really stings. I didn't realize this came along with that. And so finding that and cementing that and trying to figure out, okay, life is more than just chasing money, chasing looks, chasing things that are not really, they're very surface level. And acknowledging that and realizing that was a large lesson in growing up for me and a large lesson in finding my morals and finding my values and being a person that I would want to be with because River and I have had conversations about being number one, a high value woman and number two, a high value man and what that really looks like. And although River talks about it in a sense that's more on the side of like religious of, okay, this is what the Bible says a woman should be like, this is what the man, what the Bible says a man should be like. There is also probably a good outline of, Hey, Outside of even the Bible, this is what a, a, a woman of integrity would be like. This is what a man of integrity would be like. Is this someone that you want to be or not? And trying to figure out what that is and trying to figure out all of that is difficult. And I think that gravitating and trying to find 
a place where it's written is a little bit more easy rather than trying to outline it all yourself, which I give mad props to my dad for doing, of outlining our lives. Because back in the day when I was learning all of these lessons from my dad and I thought he was an idiot. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you rambling on about? If show me your friends, I'll show you. If what is that? What am I, I going to do with that? What do you want me to do with that? And now I say all the time. I say all the time. And it's not silly anymore. <laughs> yeah. The, the older we get, the smarter our parents get. It's, it's spooky. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the thing I love most about just people in general is that it's, amazing that we can be on opposite ends of what people would call the spiritual spectrum like it's something that i've been doing for 11 years now consistently and it's something that you're just dipping your toes into but there's a lot of overlap and on the topic of relationships you know if you want to be if you're a guy and you want a high value woman like you have to be a high value man have to be um like the the two <laughs> the two don't match up if you don't and so if you do want a high value woman then you need to start making yourself a high value man and i would argue that rarely means how many zeros do you have in your bank account um, that's one of the first things that people think makes a high value man well you got to have a lot of money you got to have a lot of stuff but when it comes to at least my experience with women i have five sisters a beautiful mother and a beautiful wife and a lot of my friends are girls. And what I've noticed by and large is that it's not about the stuff that a man brings to a relationship, but really it's the content of his character. It's the it's the ability for him to be vulnerable and not a marshmallow, but to be vulnerable and also to, to love well. And that doesn't happen overnight. Like to be a high value man, you have to work sometimes. If you're anything like me, it takes years to cultivate that in your life and that's not saying that i'm god's gift to my wife um even though she might tell you i am because she's awesome and she's my biggest fan but it is to say that i do try to live my life as a gift for my wife i try to be the man not only that i know is going to honor my god but is going to honor my wife um but the thing is you don't have to be a christian to know that being committed to your wife that's probably a good idea you know, being smart with your finances and not ruling it in, but just being smart. Um, you don't have to be a Christian to believe that. But and also like a clear moral compass and a clear vision for and not you don't have to have like a 10 year plan for your life. But you should at least know your purpose and what you're doing now. You should be you should be driven. You shouldn't be lazy. Like you don't have to be a Christian just to know that, OK, those things are actually good things to implement in your life. Um, and, and again, it doesn't look, I'm not a supermodel. Uh, I'm not like, Hercules. you're not, <laughs> no, I'm not like Hercules and ripped out of my mind, contrary to popular belief. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like what, honestly, what my wife will say, the most attractive thing about me is, is my heart. It's who I am as a man. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that I'm mistake free. I'm far from it, but you know, my wife knows that I, I do the best I can to, to love our God, to love her, and to raise our son. And in a sense, like being a high-value man or woman, it is, uh, I think it's a little more simple than we give it credit for, but we do such a good job of complicating it and thinking that you need all these extra add-ons when really, like, the thing I value in a woman is that I know what I have in Hannah, and I know that she's going to love me, and I know that she's committed. Um, I think 
because I've been cheated on before, and I think that's one of the worst things ever that can happen to a person. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And, and I think when it comes to relationships and being a high-value man or woman, it's commitment. It's knowing that it doesn't matter how far the ship is underwater, like they're going to keep bucketing water out of it to save it, you know, or they're going down with it, you know, mm-hmm. like they're in it for better or worse. And uh, not a lot of people are. A lot of people, they're just driven by emotions and, and what's next step in front of them. But what I value in Hannah is that she's able to detach and see the bigger picture. And I try to do that myself. I just see the big picture and know that like right now it really sucks, but there's, there's more past this mm-hmm. that, and for the right person, it's like, I'd do anything for her because mm-hmm. I know who she is and she knows who I am and praise be to God. She puts up with me. <laughs> um, but I think wrapping this thought up, I think being a high value man, for the gentleman that might be out there, it's it's a lot more simple than you give it credit for. Uh, like the right woman, she she needs to know that you love her, you know, and, and to an extent, you need to have direction for your life. You can't just, you know, go to and fro like a wave in the ocean, um, and also like be vulnerable, but not a marshmallow. Fastest way to lose a woman is to be a marshmallow. I would agree with that. No one wants that. No, no one wants that. Um, but yeah. And then I would say that there's also like River. I, I've talked about this on the podcast. There's a lot of black, white in the world, but there's also a lot of gray and there's a lot of overlap between the black and the white because I came to River crying a few weeks ago telling him about this boy that I thought I was in love with that didn't want to be with me because my brother was gay. And I was heartbroken by it because I didn't understand like what I did wrong. And he was a man of faith and he wasn't reciprocating the love that I thought that I deserved from him. And River just looked at me and he's like, that's not a high value man. That's someone that's going to give up so easily. Like this was a gift to you truly. Like if this person can't deal with this one thing, then how do you expect them to deal with the hardships of a marriage? How do you expect this person to deal with the hardships that you're going to experience later on in life? Like, this is not someone that you want to spend your life with. This was actually a blessing in disguise to you. And that resonated with me deeply because I was like, okay, all these people that I've had conversations with, they've they've been religious and maybe I just need to get on the religion train. And then that kind of scarred me because I was like, okay, well, he was religious, but he didn't like my brother who was gay. So now I'm at a loss for what's really going on. And I think if you take away anything from this, if you're not religious and if you don't have a firm grip on what faith that you might be interested in or whatever, you can be a high value person and just be backed by good values. You can be a high value person and have morals that exist outside of a scripture, the Torah or the Quran or any sort of other biblical literature. It can just be something that, okay, yeah, this is probably not something that I would want to or seek out in somebody else. This is not something that I want to be with somebody else for. And once you start thinking of life in that capacity and once you start thinking of your morals and your values in that capacity of, oh, maybe I wouldn't want to share this with somebody, that's probably a good indication that you have some sort of integrity in you and that you're not doing things all free and willy-nilly and you don't really give a rat's ass about other people or yourself, really, for that matter. 
Yeah. And the thing is, like, uh, and you, you said it earlier, but a lot of people are afraid of being lonely. And, and I told Sarah, and I tell anybody this, like, I wanted to be a husband and a father since I was eight years old. And, you know, it's hard not having that person, especially when you want it, like, you want your next breath of air. But waiting for the right person, I know it's, I'm 25 and I'm married almost two years now and I have a kid and stuff. So it's like, oh, really easy for you to say. But uh, so I, I think that. that is what I said to him in the car. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it happened. You, you got lucky early. What, what did I do to get lucky? Again, right. for the fellas, like getting the right woman, like it takes time. Like it's, it's everything that I was doing in my life and implementing in my life beforehand I was in it trying to become that man that I knew a woman like that would want. But also then it was just not playing games, you know, and, and Hannah and I, we knew each other for almost a year before we started dating and we knew each other very well. I mean, we didn't know each other's families, but we knew each other very well. And so it was just so natural for us to really start, you know, talking and then dating at, like within a month because we already knew those things that most people are trying to figure out. I think, like we're talking about in the car, so many people are trying to just put a label on it and then figure it out in the back half, whereas, like, get to know that person. Really find out, is this somebody? Because chances are, when you really get to know somebody, you're going to have your answer. Like, can I really see myself with this person or not? And, you know, like we're talking about, like, guard your heart. Like, the heart is such a precious thing. Don't just give it up to anybody. But also, with that, you know, part of being a high value person is you know what you want. You know where this thing's going and too many people spend their time in relationships in a sort of limbo because it's like, okay, like we're doing things that people are dating or married should be doing, but we don't have a label on it. So what is this really? Where is it going? And you don't have to be a religious person to see like that's that's a tough spot to be. Um and so I think the goal is for me not to tell people, hey, you should be a Christian just because this is my way of doing it and it's right. But it's, no, like, I don't care what you think or believe, which, you know, that's like my thing. Like, I, I do care. But at the end of the day, like, if you want to believe what you believe, that's fine. But what I'm trying to convey is it doesn't take someone who identifies as a Christian like I do to see that, like, it's just, you're just saving yourself a lot of time money, energy, and ultimately heartbreak when you do that. When you go into a relationship knowing what you want, knowing what you don't want, and then get to know that person. After you get to know that person and you guys have been friends for however long and you want to take the next step, like I laid everything out to my wife. I'm like, hey, if if you're not about this, like if you don't see this going this way, then I'm really sorry that I wasted your time. I'm really sorry that, you know, I kind of got to skedaddle, but I knew what I wanted, and I hated being her friend. It got to the point where I hated being her friend because, like, it actually, like, ticked me off that we were just friends because, like, I wanted I wanted to be her man so bad, and, and I still do. Uh, but I think when, when it gets to that point, like, you'll know when when you're ready. Because mm-hmm. by then, like, all, like, the butterflies and the glitter was gone. And I'm like, I'm still crazy about this girl. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and then a year down the road, I'm like, I'm still crazy about this girl. Also, I knew I wanted to marry Hannah within three months of dating. Because I knew so much about her prior. 
since I met her, it was like a year and a half, mm -hmm. which is, I think, on par with most people from mm -hmm. when they start like dating somebody. Mm -hmm. But all that to say is, dating's complicated. <laughs> I don't, I don't envy anybody who has to do it. And, I, and again, I know it's really easy for me to give all this advice, but also I, I do remember what it was like to be in it. Mm -hmm. I do remember what it was like to hate being lonely and to want that person. But the right person is so worth waiting for. It is mm -hmm. so worth it. Because you don't want to do the rest of your life with somebody that's just going to jump shit. And it's like the right person, it's not going to matter. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not that you have to support it. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be trivial in the big scheme of things. And so I think that, but also you got to know who that person is. Unfortunately, people get so many strings attached and put so much of their heart into it that by the time they find out, oh crap, this person actually is not a good person for me. Mm -hmm. So much of your heart has already been given away. And it breaks my heart to know those those people, those situations and those stories because in, in my opinion, it's it's so easily avoided if we can be patient and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would definitely agree with a good portion of trying to maintain that same integrity that you were talking about earlier of, okay, Hannah knows my values now and they're going to be the same as they were. They are going to be in 10 years. Mm -hmm. But if you were to look back reflectively on your life, would you say that your values have always been the same and that you've ever changed them or reevaluated them at any point? Yeah, I think obviously as you learn and grow, especially from 14 to 25, there's a lot of big life moments that happen. But honestly, like the core of who I am is God first. That's the same. Family second. That's the same. And it's loving other people. That's the same. Mm -hmm. So the core of who I, am, who I am is like love God, you know, love your family, fight for your family mm -hmm. and love everybody else and try to try to show them love and, and truth and speak encouragement into their life. Those things haven't changed. Now, the application has changed and the way I go about them has changed because I learned, okay, like this is a good way to love somebody. This is not a good way to love somebody mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. But no, like my three, the three pillars of my life, like God, family, loving others, those, those haven't changed. Mm -hmm. um, and I highly doubt they ever will. Mm-hmm. I don't I I feel like mine have probably changed a million times just because I feel like I haven't always been rooted in who I was and I think that that obviously shows because I've already changed the the course of this podcast like three times just because I couldn't figure it out but I, I feel like as a person I've evolved so many times but at the end of the day your values really shouldn't change like being mm -hmm. a good person shouldn't change being a person that like I would say my values are to be honest, hardworking and to be loving. And those are probably the three that I've always tried to model my life after because that's the way my dad or that's really what my dad instilled in me is to be honest, hardworking and loving. And that's pretty much at the end of the day what you are saying in yours. Um, and for me, I feel like although I've changed Again, to echo what River said, the applications and what those look like have changed. And I would say maybe some of my values have changed of, hey, maybe this has a priority, a higher priority in my life now. And 
maybe this has a higher priority in my life now. So things do ebb and flow in terms of maybe you value finding a partner right now. You're not going to always value finding a partner. Maybe you're going to value maintaining that partner. And that version of loving on that value is a little bit different. And maybe you're loving other people. Maybe you're loving yourself. And maybe the values of what each one of those truly represent looks a little bit different. And so... Although I feel as though maybe some of my morals have changed or maybe they haven't, uh, it largely has been that they've stayed the same. And it's just been different ways of trying to figure out how I'm going to express each one of those. So that's been something that I've been really working on is trying to solidify, okay, what are these values? What are the truths that I want to speak into the world? What do I want other people to know me for? What do I want them to say about me when I'm not in the room? So with values and with having such cemented views on life and trying to understand what type of person you want to be, how has that affected some of the relationships that you've had in your life? (laughs) Yeah, well, they, uh, in my opinion, your values should affect everything. It should affect the way you interact with family, friends, and also just people like, as a whole. Um, and like I said, unfortunately, just going through high school and even through college, there's been some people that I've had to cut friendships with just because they weren't people that I wanted you know, in my life just because of, sadly, some of the things that they were choosing to do. And again, I didn't shame them and say like, oh, you suck because of X, Y, and Z. But it's like, no, like you're clearly doing this and I'm clearly doing that. And they don't mesh. Mm-hmm. And so sadly, I've had to do that with friends and family and and most people. I just don't, I just don't <laughs> see one because I'm a raging introvert. But two, because most people, yeah, they don't, they don't align their life with uh, a lot of things that I do, and I don't hate them for that. But like you said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Mm-hmm. There are, there are few people really that I truly trust. I'm willing to talk to and hang out with anybody, really. But as far as people that I trust and I let in my circle, very, very few. You mm-hmm. know? And it's just because. Who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a very convicted person, and and I live my life on those convictions, and it, it does, you know, flows into how I treat Hannah, flows into how I treat my son and my my immediate family and her immediate family, and then also it dictates the friends I make. You mm-hmm. know, and again, it's not saying that oh I hate everyone else who I'm not <laughs> friends with. No, it's just I don't want to be friends with you. Right. Yeah, and I mean. You're introverted. I'm very extroverted. And I would say I prefer to keep my circle small. And it's not any different than what you're saying. It's, Mm -hmm. again, my dad is really stressed into me. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. And you are a direct representation of yourself by the people you hang out with. So if you don't particularly value what your friends value, do you really want them to go out and be like, oh yeah, Sarah's my best friend and we do this all the time together. And you're just like, oh, please lower your voice. Like being very intentional and being very aware of your surroundings and of the people that you're surrounding yourself specifically is a value in and of itself. Like 
being able to discern whether or not someone is good to have in your life is honestly like something that I feel like is very popular and trending on social media with toxic relationships and River's going to hate that I'm saying this, but like toxic masculinity and toxic hustle culture and whatever it might be, like toxic fill in the blank is very, very trending in social media because people are realizing, okay, you can be a good person, but again, that gray that I was talking about, like they can be a good person, but, or they can be a bad person and they do occasional good things. It doesn't make them a good person. Like there's a lot of gray and recognizing that hey, I'd rather just be with like someone who's clearly a good person that I don't have to discern whether that gray is actually gray matter or whether or not I want them to tell other people that we're friends and that we hang out and that we do things together. Like, clear indicator, probably shouldn't be friends with that person and probably should do a little bit of introspection on, hey, let's do a self-assessment. Like, do I want to continue spending my time with this person if they're doing these things that I'm not comfortable doing? Like, if we go back to what I said earlier, that you're ashamed to tell other people that you do or too ashamed to tell the person in your life that means the most to you, that you value their opinion the most that you're doing? Maybe, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. And I think when it comes to just people in our life, you gotta you, you gotta be able to detach and and look ahead of just what's in the next year, you know. And I don't have a lot of social media, but people put their whole lives on social media, and it's amazing that me when a lot of people don't think, oh, like I'm just doing this with a couple friends. Then even if you get tagged in something, it goes to your mm-hmm. profile, and then a future employer can mm-hmm. look at that. And it didn't really matter. None of the harm was being done in that moment. But as far as what people look for in like candidates for jobs, but also what people look for in spouses too, if you want to be a spouse someday, that stuff matters. Like it's mm-hmm. it's so much bigger than, and that's why. And this is a hot take, but that's why I think uh, OnlyFans is so toxic. Is just because you're gonna have a we're gonna have a whole generation of kids. You can look up and be like, hey, dude, like, I can go into the dark web and look at your mom's OnlyFans. It's like. I don't think that's a hot take. <laughs> I think that's a lukewarm take. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it's just, and in, in the immediate here and now, it's like, sure, mm-hmm. you know, you're making more money in a year than probably I could hope to dream. But. At what cost? Yeah. It's there. There's something that's further down the line that not a lot of people detach from and think about. And again, like a tattoo on your face might be a cool thing in the moment, but no one's gonna hire you if you have a tattoo on your face. You know, unless you're self-employed and you can make your own dress code, it's great for you. But if you want to get employed, like most people, don't want that image and don't want that being a part of their culture, and so. I think when it comes to just personal actions that we do, but also people we choose to hang out with, yeah, 100%. We have to be not on guard as if, like, we're, like, we have to put up walls Mm -hmm. against other people. So I think we should, you know, try to be loving and accepting of uh, of everyone that we can be, or, or not accepting, but understanding of everyone that we can be. And again, we should love everyone. You don't have to be a Christian to love everyone. Um, but you you need to know for sure, like, this is who I do want in my life and this is who I don't want in my life. Mm -hmm. Why? Because in a sense, 
I got bigger fish to fry. Um, and I think one of the things that you wrote down, Sarah, is how you, my morals been tested. I was just about to ask. And I think, uh, you know, why my three morals are, you know, God, family, loving others is because those have stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what situation in life I've been, what stage in life I've been. Those three things have things that I've always come back to and that I've always been able to rely on and lean on. Um, and I do know that I'm really blessed and privileged to have a nuclear family like that really loves me and that I can always fall back on. But, you know, Hannah and I always say family's not just another F word. Like family has to matter. And I think a lot of people don't don't live like that. Like their mm-hmm. families don't matter that much to them. Um, and so like every situation in life, like I've had to really rely on on God, but also really rely on family. Um, and so, but with that, it's uh, I tell you all the time, Christianity isn't just a get out of suffering free card. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a magic formula just to make life better. Or as some people want to lie to you, like a quick way, hey, if you just have enough faith, like God's going to give you a lot of money. Like that's not it. God's not a genie in a box. But what it does get, what I'm getting back to earlier is perspective i have a perspective that when these things happen i know that like god is in control of my life and he does have a plan for my life and as long as i'm trying to live for him obey him and love him then everything even bad things somehow they're working for my benefit they're working for my good and not a lot of people can say that um and so there's been tons of situations where they've been tested but i stuck to him mm-hmm and for whatever reason, they they work. It's either I'm the luckiest person on the planet, which I'm not, or these things, as crazy as they sound, like they actually work. Um, but most importantly, and I don't know if you want to get to this or not, but it gives me purpose. Mm-hmm. I know exactly why I wake up every day. Mm-hmm. I know who I wake up for. I know why I do what I do for. And it's something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. It's not about my wife. It's not about my son. It's not about my family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about something that's so much bigger than myself. And so that's why I hope that everybody finds is this is why I wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. This is why I do what I do. Because mm-hmm. when you find your purpose, so many times people just look for happiness. If you chase happiness, you're going to spin your wheels and burn out and... You know, a lot of people do some terrible things when they can't find it. But if you travel the road of purpose and you know what your purpose is, you're going to find happiness on that road. Mm-hmm. And I think that no, it's, I'm glad that you brought it up. And I think that it draws a lot of points of affirmment being that you can directly arrive at your purpose from your morals And your morals can build to who you are, building to what your purpose is. And if you have a clear idea of what your purpose is, then it's a lot easier to craft those morals. So I'm going to be honest, like if you sit down and you think and you're like, all right, what are my morals? What are my values? And there's no shame in doing that. Like people, I don't know, like before coming to this episode, I was like, "Hmm, really? What are my morals? Um, like they're not, I'm, mine aren't cemented like rivers were. And it's really just coming down to the conclusion of, okay, 
what do I do? How do I work every day? Like, how do I operate? What am I doing this for? And largely, like, that is what it's rooted in. You might not know it off the top of your head, but you might be working for it in a way that you're not recognizing or realizing in, at this current point in time. But as soon as you realize what your purpose is, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, I think that my purpose on this earth is to communicate with people. And what the question that River asked me was, well, communicate what? And I was like, that's a really excellent question. Um, thank you for asking. But I am still trying to decide like what I'm supposed to communicate. I've been sharing my story in the hopes that people can find validation or find some affirmation that they're not alone in this world and experiencing what other 20-year-olds are experiencing. Like for me, trying to grapple with being a human and trying to grapple with, okay, I want to be a good person and I want to find other good people and I want to do that while I'm still in my life's mission of communication. Like, what does that look like? I feel like I have a good grasp of who I am, but having difficulty finding others who also share the same values that I do, share the same morals as I do, and really trying to figure out, okay, how can I find other people that support my life's mission and my life's mission of communication and living my my truth of, okay, I want to let my life be an example to other people. I want to have quit my job and be an inspiration for someone else to quit theirs. I want to go on a sp spiritual journey and tell people about it and have other people be like, wow, Sarah did it, so now I can feel comfortable doing it because she's answered X, Y, and Z about it, or she still has these questions because I'm not an all-knowing person by any means, but something that I would say that is one of my best qualities about myself is that I'm willing to try virtually anything, and I'm not afraid to fail. And so if I'm going to try something and fail at it, then I'm willing to share about it. So I think there's a lot of things that can be learned by failure, failures and that other people can learn from my mistakes so that they don't have to make them. And so one of the... I guess, mistakes or one of the learning lessons that I've had is that you have to have morals in order to move forward as a person in life because otherwise you're living a non-purposeful, meaningless life, which, hey, it could be fun. Like, I was having fun when I was doing it. I was like, wow, this is great. This is a good time. But looking back on it, I'm like, ah, why, why did I do that? Why was that what was done? Um, and so... Really being intentional and really thinking about, okay, why am I doing this? How is this going to impact me later on? And once you start thinking like that of, okay, maybe you don't want to find a significant other. Maybe that's not what's on your life's journey right now and you just want to improve yourself. Having good morals is still a great a great start to that. Like having good morals isn't going to negatively impact anybody else unless your your morals are to negatively impact somebody else then that's probably for a deeper discussion between you and your therapist but nonetheless like it is still just as valiant to instill morals just for yourself and just for you to have a sense of purpose a sense of hey this is why I'm doing this because to do an action and to not be like, oh, I did this because I have the value of being hardworking or I have the value of being loving. Like, this is my value and this is why I did this. It makes life a little bit more complicated. And I think that's what River's point of you can be chasing happiness and spinning your wheels and spinning your wheels. But if there is no purpose to it, if there's no 
validity to what you're doing, if there's no justification or just cause for what you're doing, then it's not as fulfilling, it's not as satisfying, and can lead to a lot of contention and lead to a lot of brokenheartedness because that is definitely what happened to me in terms of my life of I keep doing these things and I feel like I'm showing a lot of people love and I'm showing a lot of good nature in the world and I'm just feeling hurt and I'm still feeling alone and I'm not understanding why. And it's largely because I didn't root myself in morals. I didn't root myself in values. And it made it difficult to be, what River just explained, a high-value person because I didn't know what my values were. And it's hard to be a high-value person if you don't know what your values are. So that's the moral of the episode. And one of the final questions that I want to ask River is, okay, maybe for those of you that are listening that aren't as religious, how do you find other people that share similar morals to you? Or similar values to you. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, some people might disagree, but for me, I think it's pretty easy. Um, just observe. I think that's why we're given two ears, two eyes, and one mouth. is because we're supposed to be listening and observing. First, uh, you can tell a lot about a person's life just by watching them. And so a lot of things that people might say or do, I'm just like, yeah, that's not, it's not my speed. But you know, when you do start observing and listening to what people say, and you know, I think Sarah, just when we first met, one by proximity because you had to meet me. I'm your boss. Get over it. Uh, but also, like it was really important for me to get to know Sarah when she first started, because um, I, I know what it's like being a new person, especially living uh, at Vista Verde like she is. Uh, it's it's hard for people to to just hop in and do that, especially. Um, if you miss orientation and everything. And so Which I wanted I just to <laughs> get to know Sarah and, you know, let her know that, hey, like, I care about you. I want what's best for you. I'm not here to take advantage of you. If there's anything I can do to help you get from A to B, that's what I want to do. Um, and I think really just building relationships with people. And <laughs> at least for me, it usually takes one or two conversations and I can tell if I'm going to jive with somebody or not. And again, right or wrong fine but uh again i know that i only mesh with a select few groups of people so um but it's not just i don't just have to hang out with christians you know and i think that's a bad rap that a lot of people like me get is people think well you just have your four walls and you stick to them and you're just lobbing bombs over them it's like no there are people who do that and it's really sad but also i just care about people and again, my purpose is I want people to know the truth. I want people to know that you know, there is there is a God out there who loves them. And you know, living a life without regret, it's it's living with that purpose. Because you don't you don't have a there are some things that you wish you did better, sure. But I mean like regret that sits in your heart forever. Mm-hmm. When you live through your purpose, you don't have that. You know? And and that's ultimately what I want all people to have. I want all people to know their purpose so that they live their life without regrets. Um, and I hope that they find what I have along the way because it's literally the best ever. But even if they don't, if you live your life without purpose, you know, that's a road that there's not going to be a lot of regret on. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people take the time to see that and to acknowledge that. Because if so, then you do have to admit, oh, uh, my whole 
prior life before this has probably been a sham. Mm-hmm. I've just been fooling myself. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do. Which it's so easy to lie to yourself. It's so easy to lie to yourself. Like, a lot easier than we would care to admit. <laughs> but, I mean, at the end of the day, like, yes, I I think that River and I had two different upbringings. And to this point, in both of our 25 years of life, <laughs> they've been pretty different. And I would say that some of the most impactful conversations that I've had in my life have been with River. And... It's largely because we share a lot of the same values, even though we came from two different parts of the world, and not not really. Like we both came from the East Coast. Yeah, Pennsylvania is better, but that's fine. We'll yeah. look at that. Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't think anyone would ever say that, but okay. Um, Independence, Rocky Balboa. Sure. Yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a lot of great things that come from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hershey's, <laughs> Hershey Park. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Hershey's. Um, But, yeah, so a lot of differences in life that allowed for us to arrive at the same point. And I hope if you take anything away from this episode that there is a lot of elements of life that derive from your purpose and that, conversely, a lot of validation of living and a lot of life is spent or a lot of life is supposed to be spent living through your purpose. And once you realize that, once you acknowledge that, and once you realize that your morals help point into your purpose, I think it will give a lot of affirmations of, okay, this is why I'm doing this, and I'm doing this because it falls under this moral. And that's not to say that every single thing that you have to do, like, I'm planning a vacation, and it's going to go with this moral. And, yeah, you can and let that, your hair down. Yeah, like, it doesn't, it's not that serious. It's not that deep. It's not that deep, okay? But it does help in the day-to-day life, and it does help give you a reason why, and it does help give you purpose, and it does intrinsically feel better to know, hey, I'm waking up to do this because this follows this, and this helps me get out of bed in the morning. Like, what is your why? What is your purpose? What do you want to be? That all derives down to what your morals are. Why don't you, do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Because, again, the way you live your life, you're ultimately living your morals, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not. I can tell you your morals by observing your life. Mm-hmm. And so it helps to know them, define them, but then gives you direction mm-hmm. gives you purpose and when you're living with purpose it doesn't matter if you're living on one side of the country or the other or across the globe you know what you're doing you know why you're doing it and you're not going to regret that too many people spend their whole lives just chasing something and then when they either they get it or they can't get it because it's unattainable and that's why they people have a midlife crisis because mm-hmm. they realize they wasted their whole life chasing a sweet nothingness mm-hmm I'm not going to be one of those guys. I can promise you. I can promise my wife. Promise my God and my family that I'm not going to be one of those guys. Not only because it's bad, but also because I have purpose. I have direction. And I hope everyone finds it. Well, River and I could probably talk about this for five more hours. And we probably will. But... um, 
again, thanks everybody for listening and tune in next week for another episode of the Aspiring Adult Podcast. If you have any questions about what it is like to define morals, what it's like to be a high value man or woman, or what that really looks like, or anything along the lines of the content of this episode, please reach out and happy to answer them on next week's episode. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Yeah, and the river's edge is coming out. And also, if there's yeah. anything, if there's anything let's, let's plug that, that river's edge to uh, this episode that is directed or submitted towards me. I would love to answer it in my podcast. As of well. course, yeah. So let's do a quick plug. So River is coming out with his own podcast, and River, do you want to share what that is going to be about and when and where it's going to air? Yeah, so it'll just be a once a week podcast just because I have a wife, a kid, and two jobs. Okay, well, mine is a once a week podcast, and I have no wife, no kids, and a once a week job. Uh, so it's just realistic that it's once a week. Um, but yeah, it's just sharing truth, and some of it is my opinion, but also, like we're talking about today, like you don't have to believe what I believe to see, like, oh, that's probably a good way to look at that, or that's probably something to implement. And so. We'll look at some current events. We'll look at some lessons that I'm learning from fatherhood and how they apply to just general life. And then we'll also look at some hot takes, but maybe some lukewarm takes on just what truth is and how we can apply truth to our life. And then, yeah, just how to how to be a decent person in this world is the gist of it. Um, and so, yeah. That's it in a nutshell. And when is your first episode airing? TBD. TBD! But hopefully, I'm hoping to have it out by middle of next week at the absolute latest. But I'd like to get in a routine of every Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'll but post my on... my mother-in-law's coming this weekend, so I don't know how realistic we'll that's going to be. But Well, I'll post on my social medias once it's out. And yeah, and I'll share you the link as cool. well, so... Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks, River. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Spending time with me outside of work. Talk down. Overtime. Overtime. We're not getting paid. <laughs> we don't do it for money. But anyways, I appreciate your time, and I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. It's actually a long time. Right. Thanks, everyone.